Section 23 of Jodic Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Crab and the Elephant. Once on a time, when Brahmadatta was king of Benares, there was a great lake in Himalaya, wherein was a great golden crab. Because he lived there, the place was known as the Crab Tarn. The crab was very large, as big round as a threshing floor. It would catch elephants and kill and eat them and from fear of it the elephants durst not go down and browse there. Now the Bodhisatta was conceived by the mate of an elephant and leader of a herd, living hard by this crab-tarn. The mother, in order to be safe till her delivery, sought another place on a mountain, and there she was delivered of a son, who in due time grew to years of wisdom, and was great and mighty, and prospered, and he was like a purple mountain of collyrium. He chose another elephant for his mate, and he resolved to catch this crab. So with his mate and his mother he sought out the elephant herd, and, finding his father, proposed to go and catch the crab. "'You will not be able to do that, my son,' said he. But he begged the father again and again to give him leave, till at last he said, "'Well, you may try.' So the young elephant collected all the elephants beside the crab-tarn, and led them close by the lake. "'Does the crab catch them when they go down, or while they are feeding, or when they come up again?' They replied, "'When the beasts come up again!' "'Well, then,' said he, "'do you all go down to the lake and eat whatever you see and come up first? I will follow last behind you.' And so they did. Then the crab, seeing the bodhisatta coming up last, caught his feet tight in his claw, like a smith who seizes a lump of iron in a huge pair of tongs. The bodhisattva's mate did not leave him, but stood there close by him. The bodhisattva pulled at the crab, but could not make him budge. Then the crab pulled and drew him towards himself. In deadly fear the elephant roared the cry of capture, hearing which all the other elephants in deadly terror ran off trumpeting and dropping excrement. Even his mate could not stand, but began to make off. Then, to tell her how he was held a prisoner, he uttered the first stanza, hoping to stay her from her flight. Gold-clawed creature with projecting eyes, tarn-bred, hairless, clad in bony shell, he has caught me, hear my woeful cries. Mate, don't leave me. For you love me well. Then his mate turned round and repeated the second stanza to his comfort. Leave you? Never, never will I go, noble husband, with your years threescore, all four quarters of the earth can show, none so dear as you have been of yore. In this way she encouraged him, and saying, Noble sir, now I will talk to the crab a while to make him let you go. She addressed the crab in the third stanza. Of all the crabs that in the sea, Ganges or Nabruta be, you are the best and chief I know. Hear me, let my husband go. As she spoke thus, the crab's fancy was smitten with the sound of the female voice, and forgetting all fear he loosed his claws from the elephant's leg, and suspected nothing of what he would do when he was set free. Then the elephant lifted his foot and stepped upon the crab's back, and at once his eyes started out. The elephant shouted the joy cry, 
up ran the other elephants all pulled the crab along and set him upon the ground and trampled him to mincemeat his two claws broken from his body lay apart and this crab tarn being near the ganges when there was a flood in the ganges was filled with ganges water then the water subsided it ran from the lake into the ganges then these two claws were lifted and floated along the ganges one of them reached the sea the other was found by the ten royal brothers while playing in the water and they took it and made of it a little drum called anaka the titans found that which reached the sea and made it into the drum called alambara these afterwards being worsted in battle with saka ran off and left it behind then saka caused it to be kept for his own use and it is of this they say there is thunder like the alambara cloud the owl as king once upon a time the people who lived in the first cycle of the world gathered together and took for their king a certain man handsome auspicious commanding altogether perfect the quadrupeds also gathered and chose for king the lion and the fish in the ocean chose them a fish called ananda and all the birds in the himalayas assembled upon a flat rock crying among men there is a king and among beasts and the fish have one too but amongst us birds king there is none we should not live in anarchy we too should choose a king fix on someone fit to be set in the king's place they searched about for such a bird and chose the owl here's the bird we like said they and a bird made proclamation three times to all that there would be a vote taken on this matter after patiently hearing this announcement twice on the third time up rose a crow and cried out stay now if that is what he looks like when he is being consecrated king what will he look like when he is angry if he only looks at us in anger we shall be scattered like sesame seeds thrown on a hot plate i don't want to make this fellow king and enlarging upon this he uttered the first stanza the owl is king you say o'er all bird kind with your permission may i speak my mind the birds repeated the second granting him leave to speak you have our leave sir so it be good and right for other birds are young and wise and bright thus permitted he repeated the third i like not with all deference be it said to have the owl anointed as our head look at his face if this good humor be what will he do when he looks angrily then he flew up into the air cawing out i don't like it i don't like it the owl rose and pursued him thenceforward those two nursed enmity one towards another and the birds chose a golden mallard for their king and dispersed the elephant trainer's luck once on a time when Brahmadatta reigned in Benares, the Bodhisatta was born into a Brahmin family in the realm of Kasi. On growing up, he was educated at Takasila and lived among his family. But when his parents died, much distressed, he retired to the life of a recluse in the Himalaya, and there he cultivated the attainments. A long time passed, and he came down to inhabited parts for salt and savoring, and took up his quarters in the gardens of the king of benares next day on his begging rounds he came to the door of an elephant trainer 
This man took a fancy to his ways and manners, fed him, and gave him lodging in his own grounds, waiting upon him continually. Now it happened just then that a man whose business it was to gather firewood failed to get back to town from the woods in time. He lay down for the night in a temple, placing a bundle of sticks under his head for a pillow. At this temple there were a number of cocks quite free, which had perched close by on a tree. Towards morning one of them, who was roosting high, let fall a dropping on the back of a bird below. "'Who dropped that on me?' cried this one. "'I did,' said the first. "'And why?' "'Didn't think,' said the other. And then did it again. Hereupon they both began to abuse each other, crying, "'What power have you? What power have you?' At last the lower one said, "'Anybody who kills me and eats my flesh roasted on the coals gets a thousand pieces of money in the morning.' And the one above answered, "'Pooh, pooh! Don't boast about a little thing like that. Anybody who eats my fleshy parts will become king. If he eats my outside, he'll become commander-in-chief, or chief-queen, according as he's man or woman. If he eats the flesh by my bones, he'll get the post of royal treasurer. If he be a householder, or if a holy man, will become the king's favorite.' The stick-picker heard all this and pondered, now, if I become king, there will be no need of a thousand pieces of money. Quietly he climbed the tree, caught the topmost cock, and killed him. He fastened him in a fold of his dress, saying to himself, Now I will be king. As soon as the gates were opened, in he walked. He plucked the fowl and cleaned it, and gave it to his wife, bidding her make the meat nice for eating. She got ready the meat with some rice, and set it before him, bidding her lord eat. "'Good wife,' said he, "'there's great virtue in this meat. By eating it I shall become king, and you my queen.' So they took the meat and rice down to the Ganges' bank, intending to bathe before eating it. Then, putting meat and rice down upon the bank, in they went to bathe. Just then a breeze stirred up the water, which washed away the meat. Down the river it floated till it came in sight of an elephant trainer, a great personage, who was giving his elephant a bath lower down. "'What have we here?' said he, and picked it up. "'It's fowl and rice, my lord,' was the reply. He bade wrap it up and seal it, and sent it home to his wife, with a message not to open it till he returned. The stick-picker also ran off, with his belly puffed out with sand and water which he had swallowed. Now a certain ascetic who had divine vision, the family priest of the elephant-trainer, was thinking to himself, "'My patron friend does not leave his post with the elephants. When will he attain promotion?' As he thus pondered, he saw this man by his divine insight, and perceived what was a-doing. He went on before and sat in the patron's house. When the master returned, he greeted him respectfully and sat down on one side. Then, sending for the parcel, he ordered food and water to be brought for the ascetic. The ascetic took the rice which was offered, but not the meat, and said, "'I will divide this meat.' The master gave him leave. Then, separating the meat into portions, he gave to the elephant-trainer the fleshy parts, the outside to his wife, and took the flesh about the bones for his own share. After the meal was over, he said, 
on the third day from this you will become king take care what you do and away he went on the third day a neighboring king came and beleaguered benares the king told his elephant trainer to dress in the royal robes bidding him go mount his elephant and fight he himself put on a disguise and mingled with the ranks swift came an arrow and pierced him so that he perished then and there the trainer learning that the king was dead sent for a great quantity of money and beat the drum proclaiming let those who want money advance and fight the warrior host in a twinkling slew the hostile king after the king's obsequies the courtiers deliberated who was to be made king said they while our king was yet alive he put his royal robes upon the elephant trainer this very man has fought and won the kingdom to him the kingdom shall be given and they consecrated him king and his wife they made the chief queen the bodhisatta became his confidant the wishing cup once upon a time when brahmadatta was reigning in benares the bodhisatta was born as a rich merchant's son and after his father's death took his place in his house was buried a treasure of four hundred million he had an only son the bodhisatta gave alms and did good until he died and then he came to life again as Saka, king of the gods his son proceeded to make a pavilion across the road and sat down with many friends round him to drink he paid a thousand pieces to runners and tumblers singers and dancers and passed his time in drinking gluttony and debauchery he wandered about asking only for song music and dancing devoted to his boon companions sunk in sloth so in a short time he squandered all his treasure of four hundred millions all his property goods and furniture and got so poor and miserable that he had to go about clad in rags Saka, as he meditated became aware how poor he was overcome with love for his son he gave him a wishing cup with these words son take care not to break this cup so long as you keep it your wealth will never come to an end so take good care of it and then he returned to heaven after that the man did nothing but drink out of it one day he was drunk and threw the cup into the air catching it as it fell but once he missed it down it fell upon the earth and smashed then he got poor again and went about in rags begging bowl in hand till at last he lay down by a wall and died End of section 23